Well, hi again, everyone, and welcome. This week's episode of Unanchored Boston is brought to you by Our Best Foods, featuring Our Best Meatballs, available right. at your favorite local grocer. What about the hamburger? Yes, of course. And uh, we're coming up on hamburger season, Bob. Don't jump the gun, because we're still in meatball season. Oh, yeah, meatball season still underway. <laughs> for you, yeah, well, hamburgers for me. Okay, good. We're also brought to you by Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things camping in where? We're in New Hampshire, of course. Right. And you the great out. George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. Well, we've got an um, up-close-and-personal old favorite guest right here. Bobby, take know. it away. <laughs> no, no. Which well, one were you calling old favorite? Yeah, just old, given how many years we've known each other. Yeah. yeah. Old yeah. An old favorite. Take it away, Robert. I don't know, Mike. When, I don't know when you first met Alice, but I was. she was at Channel 38 when I first met her. Uh, she was a producer at Channel 38, right? No, I worked in the traffic department. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, looking at commercial inputting You're commercials. Right. That was my entry level job into television. You must have been pretty good at it because, well, they had you in there. We we were judging for Emmys, right? Yes. Yeah. Actually, the, I did get promoted at one point to associate producer of sports. And my job was going to the Bruins game and sitting in the back of the truck and calling replays. So I did, yeah, I did advance a little bit there. But um, yes, you came in to judge the Emmys. It was San Francisco Emmys. So. I don't know what I was doing in that room because I didn't know anything about television news or what I was supposed to, you know, like think any, was good or bad. Like any of yeah. us did. I mean, unless we were voting for ourselves, who would we vote for? <laughs> right. You know, I came in one day and there was a stack of tapes on a table and there was Chicago and the other stack was San Francisco. And I said to, to uh, one of the producers, what the heck is this? He said, well, we have to sit and watch all these tapes and decide the Emmys. I go, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Here's one winner in Chicago. Meeny, meeny, here's your winner in San Francisco right here. And that's exactly how I did it. <laughs> you didn't watch them? No. I don't tell blah, 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 blah. I can't believe that. What if they did that? So none of the stuff that we won is any good. Well, I mean, whatever city judged us probably watched them. I didn't. I care less. I, Mike, if you didn't watch them, then who's to say anybody else did? <laughs> At any rate, Alice, we've been through so much together yeah. over the years. Channel 4, and I know, Mike, you, it must not have been easy to, I don't know, what were the first women and I mean that you me you were <laughs> I was the first female television sports reporter in Boston in 1984. Wow. Yeah. 1984 I came over and you know wow. I, I wasn't on air yet. I was uh producing the eleven o'clock sports and weekends. So the on air stuff didn't come for a little bit, a couple of years. You know, we were talking about every, in the last couple of weeks when Sports Illustrated, I don't know if you saw it or not, came out with this uh, article that sports anchors are over and done with. Ooh. It's over. It's Ooh. over for local sports anchors because what's what's unique about it? Well, you know, most people know what's going on, right, Lynchy? Going on? Yep. Coming in to, to watch Lynch or yeah. Lobel? Yeah. Or Cook or whoever. Uh, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what happened the yeah. other day. We were fortunate to really live in the heyday of it was television good, news. Wasn't it? I mean, especially the 80s when, you know, these stations five and four are sending their entire newsrooms down to the Super Bowl in, in <laughs> New Orleans. And they spent all this money. They spent money on salaries. Yeah. <laughs> what are you pointing at me? Well, for? you had a pretty good contract, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was just amazing back there. And then the 90s, you know, it's a, and then it kind of really, I think, you know, by 2000, you know, we were already kind of getting smaller and less important. Well, because of the internet. Once that came around, uh, right. changed then, everything. Then everybody has phones. And Everybody knows what's going on in the yeah. world today. Just in case you want to know about this black guy, I probably yeah. Tell, tell us a story about this black guy. Does, you know, does the other guy look as good? 
We haven't even gotten into the show and we're doing all this background stuff. I haven't even asked Alice. Of course, she was an Olympic figure skater in Innsbruck. Mm-hmm. Pair skating. Yes. How am I doing so far? You're, you got the fact it. That I even knew. Yeah. <laughs> if I come leaps and bounds in my knowledge of figure skating, know that there's pairs. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Camel's here. <laughs> Camel. Yeah, she was my teammate. Yeah, she was. That was pretty 76. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Was. What about Peggy Fleming? Peggy Fleming was before me. Oh. She won in 68. Grenoble. Well, she didn't seem so. She she wasn't around then in '76. She was done. Anyway, you never brought a lot of them by the office. No, you know, um, someone was telling me the other day that I, I th- I must have been a Bill Shields funeral or something <laughs> because I've been seeing people lately because right. of that sadly, and someone said I'll never forget. You took us down to the Boston Garden and introduced us to Dorothy Hamill. She must have been in there for like a show, like uh, ice capades. She how'd, skated. How did we miss that, Mike? <laughs> oh my! Wow, well, that, that was pretty nice of me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I didn't get that invitation. Anyway, it was um, besides. You also covered them after Innsbruck. You went to Lillehammer. We were talking. How did that work out? Yeah, that was by far. He went to Calgary Yeah. with Pam Fletcher. No one could catch her, remember? Yes, of course. Uh, Yeah. Lynchy was out in Calgary with Pam Fletcher, but Lily Hammer, you were... It was the Nancy Kerrigan Olympics. That's why I was in Lily Hammer. And um, the whack on the knee happened, and um, Bob was sent to Detroit where the whack on the knee happened and he ended up having to spend like four days in the he was outside doing live shots for the entire country (laughs) (laughs) i didn't go because i had a baby i had two really young kids it's like i can't i can't just jump on a plane so you were doing live shots for stations all around the country about you know nancy and nothing i knew nothing i knew knew nothing about what i was talking about yeah we we (laughs) talked though and i gave you no you gave me some things you know, they would tell you, since you had to do these things for each station around the country, oh, yeah. they'd give you the names of the anchors. <laughs> right. Mary and Bill or whoever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thanks, Mary and Bill. It's good to see you. Welcome. To, we're in Detroit. We're, you know, I have no idea what <laughs> I'm talking was, about. It was I'm a standing rage- outside freezing my ass off, it was and a, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Plus, it was a raging blizzard for the entire time. You were standing out there freezing in a in the snow and it was like that scene at um out of broadcast news where the woman has to go to like the north pole to, <laughs> to do live shots she's freezing that was you that was you me. did a good job yeah. so what happened is um we were not the right network um the olympics were on get this confused cbs or nbc and so we peter brown our news director said you we're, we're sending you there to you know you know, you just do your best. I said, you're sending me to the Olympics and we're not going to get credentials. We're not going to be able to get into news conferences. What do you expect me to do? And he said, I don't care if you just stand in a snowbank every day doing a stand-up talking about Nancy Kerrigan. That's enough. That's fine. Just do that. So we got there and um, I took a friend of mine from the skating world, from the skating club of Boston, who was a, a coach at the world and Olympic uh, level, I thought it would be nice to have, cause I was kind of out of skating for a while by that time. She, Ronna Gladstone's her name. She said, yeah, I'll go with you. And this is before 9-11 and we didn't have all this security. And we, she knew where the skaters entrance was and, you know, backdoor things and where they were having dinner and what they were doing outside the Olympic. And we started bumping into like Scott Hamilton and Christy Yamaguchi and all these really well-known skaters that were there. And we did interviews and we were absolutely killing it while Channel 7 with John Dennis was not getting any of the stuff. smiling when you're saying that? It was my favorite assignment. I call it um, someone in the skating world, Paul George, I think you know. He yeah, was my team leader. Agent. And he said it was guerrilla reporting. And I said, I love that, you know, like a war correspondent. 
And it was NBC Boston was seeing we were getting all this stuff. Yeah, we were NBC. And they said, we'll give you our cell phones if we can share what you're getting with all these skaters. And it's like, well, I was there with Tom Ray Camper, sports photographer. And I said, yeah, why don't we do that? You know, I'm sure it won't be a problem. She set me up one night. Well, I know you didn't do it. Nan- well, so we, um, we're on a train and we called the station and because we had to go feed tape in Lillehammer. Hamar is where the skating was happening. So it's like an hour away. And I'm on with Peter Brown and I say, oh, my gosh, we got, you know, Chuck Foster, who is the head of the skating delegation. We got this person. We got this judge. And he said, where are you right now? I said, we're on a train to go feed the tapes. He said, whose phone are you on? I said, NBC London's and he said who's paying for this and I said I don't know probably NBC London <laughs> and so it was Typical like news director who's yeah. paying for this yes yeah he was worried about that so um yeah we did really well you know it's after the short program we we're in the building we bought a ticket to get in and we snuck in with where, where the dressing rooms were and again I don't know how we got past well there was no security and Nancy was coming out. She had just done an interview with, you know, some kind of international satellite company. And there I am with Ray Camp. I said, roll. <laughs> and I stepped right in front of her with the mic in front of her. Gorilla, she, gorilla reporting. She was um, in second place after the short program. And I, she in a very good position to win. And we got this exclusive interview. And I think you guys sent Mike Dowling. Yeah, and and he like he had no credentials like you. He had nothing. Yeah. But a, a friend of mine was in the sporting goods business and had two tickets, and the other ticket wasn't being used. So Dowling put the ticket around his neck, and he could into every event. Um, right. But by this point, he and you had developed a pretty good relationship with uh, Nancy's mother and father and, and brother, brother and brother. Mike, the brothers pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, him a full so he, he, got, he got the, the, the he didn't get all the skaters you got, but in terms of the Kerrigans, he got everything you got. And the funny thing was, the guy that had the credential deal got nothing. I'm still laughing. And Dowling got to camp out of Kerrigan's house for 40 straight days, right? And uh, pretty so, much, he yeah, did all, much. all the live shots. Bill Shields was our guy up there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, don't make me order. What was that here. like? What was? Did, did you get out there at all? No, I I never got that assignment. Thank <clears throat> I think I was Shields the whole way. Were you out there, Lynchy? What was that like? What was it? What was the point of going there? What were you waiting to, the, to announce? To the driveway. She came out and talked to the media yeah. a few times from the house. Yeah. Jerry Solomon, her agent, would give it, her, yeah. and her parents. Yes. Yeah. yeah they um. And it was uh, the top of the drive. The driveway had a little bit of a hill going down, down to it, but it was always at the top of the driveway. And Nancy would come out, and you just wanted to be there to make a shot of her pulling into the driveway and going into the garage and going into the house and leaving the house and going someplace else or, or going working out or skating or something. And, you know, it was all about presence, being there. That's yeah. what it was. It was a huge story. I mean, that an, was enormous. It had a lot, it had a lot of life. Yeah. A lot of legs. I mean, that that oh, thing. Not only was Nancy Kerrigan, it was the it was the cast of characters on the other side of the fence. Sure. Tanya Harding. I mean, uh, seriously. Yeah. Tanya That's Harding. Frank Stamp. The big fat guy. Stamp. Frank yeah. Stamp. Wasn't that the guy's name? Yes, he was the one that actually whacked her. What, you know? Stamp. Yeah, Galuli kind of organized it. What a group, of, you know. They were. <laughs> They drove from somewhere across the country to go to Dennis, where she trained. Dennis, yeah. Massachusetts. Dennis, oh, it was, uh, no, you know where it was? Born. It was the, the Gallo Rink, I think. And they they, 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 scribbled, they they found in the trash, they found scribbled yeah. notes. That was that, 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 that was. So good. I mean, you went, you went through somebody's trash to like, find something on a like, figure skater? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like sweats. And one thing that came out of that it was obvious that they both had bad guys kind of on their side. You know, it was the rumor had in the skating world that 
Tanya's people had been kind of feuding with Nancy's brothers for, you know, not, you know, physically, but there was something going on between like threats. Well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, was that what your sport was all about? No, not till then. I mean, but you know what? It put figure skating on the map like no other event could have. That the whole sport boomed. Well, what's wrong with you? People? Exploded. <laughs> Everyone wanted what's to, wrong to with skate you us. <laughs> Whacking each other. I mean, when I wasn't it enough to go to the cry and, and kiss and cry, kiss and cry room and <laughs> damaging each other. Uh, it. It's not a very, um, you don't have a lot of friends in that sport because it's so competitive. Really? Yeah. Even on, when you're on the ice, you know, you're sharing the same surface and you don't want to get into the other person. So but what was it like that, that you had to drive as a com competitor? How did you, you know, jump in and join the fight? I mean, what, For, how, tough, answer, how or, tough did you have to be? Just as a, I mean, how tough did you have to be to compete to get in that to, score? Oh, very tough, very tough. And uh, I moved from Michigan, where I grew up, to oh, yeah. Delaware. East Lansing, we're, we're talking about with uh, Alice and I went out to lunch a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the shooting. Shootings, in, yeah, in, in yeah. East Lansing. That, that campus was my playground growing up, and they had one of the few rinks in the entire country that was open in the summer. So skaters came from all over the country, New York, California, Colorado, to train in the summer. And that is, and we were on the ice in the summer, seven hours a day. We would start at like six in the morning and we had the school figures and then we had freestyle sessions and we had dance sessions and we went back to, and I loved it. That was, that's what I wanted to do. And it was just fun. And then um, a few years later, uh, uh, pair skater from Cleveland, Bill Favre. He was the junior national champion and he was looking for a new partner because his current partner couldn't jump. And it's important in figure skating in pairs that you can do side-by-side -side jumps that are hard. So, and she, she wasn't good at that. So he, he asked me if I wanted to Let's come work to on Cleveland. that next week, Mike. We'll do the side-by-side <laughs> -side jumps. Jump. <laughs> I'll, I'll coach you on that. So he, said, come to Cleveland. I tried out and then he called me back in Michigan a week later. He said, do you want to be my partner? Now this is like getting a marriage proposal in the world of skating. Because really? <laughs> there aren't that many male skaters. For every male skater, there are probably a hundred female skaters. So he had a big variety of uh, um, potential partners. Pool. And yes. A lot, a lot of fish in the And pool. he said, he, well, here's the deal. We have to move to Delaware and train with Ron Ludington because he was the best pair coach in that country. And our training hours were 11 p.m. to 4 in the morning, six days what? a week. That's when we could get the ice time because during the day it was single skaters. If you're throwing a girl across the ice like in pairs or up in the air <laughs> or doing death spirals, you can't be on the ice with people skating around someone would get really hurt so i did that for two years and and all my friends were back home at university of michigan and michigan state and northwestern and in college and here i am i had no social life whatsoever except for my you know few skating friends but it's like oh my gosh it's like i really I really don't like the schedule who's, and I just tried to stop and they wouldn't let me. Who's in. the greatest skater you, you if you had to say this is ever? Yeah, I mean we I mean we have our own thoughts uh, about this but favorite skater or best skater? Well, ever? You, well, either one. I'll take either one. I'll take both. Well, best skater female was Janet Lynn. I don't know if you remember that name. She was from Chicago she and was just like she was younger, right? She, she was incredible. Her edging and her choreography and her, she was like, I was skating singles and I, I, she was my, you know, hero. She was so good. And um, the school figures, once again, held her back. They counted for 60% of the score. And she was like me. She was very light and couldn't see her tracings, but she was a tremendous skater. Um, 
who else would I put up there? Scott Hamilton, man. And he went through a lot physically, you know, when he was younger, he had like a heart disease and wasn't growing. And um, he was very, very good. He was especially good when he turned professional and he skated in shows. And um, yeah, but figure skating is pretty much back in the dumper again. You know, if you walk down the street and say, okay, who who's the women's national champion this year? No one would know that. Nobody would know. No. no. All this talk about figure skating has me really hungry, Bob. I don't know about you, but I'm starving yeah. right now. <laughs> and you know, the next time you go grocery shopping, I don't forget, it. do not forget to go to the frozen food section and look for a bag of our best meatballs. Oh. Look for the smiling chef. He's right on the bag. Oh, here we go. Find great tasting meatballs for your next dinner or hot sauce. Well, I'm going to go buy these for dinner tonight. They're the best. Oh, remember, our best meatballs come in a resealable bag. You know, you can reseal it. That's open. Make it easy for you to store away before your next meal. And don't forget to download the money-saving coupon available online at ourbestfoods.com. And look for the smiling chef right there. Probably his nickname is Pablo Bell. Oh, you know how I got the name? Pablo. The name is Pablo Bell. Oh, I, I love that. It's not a winner here, Pablo Bell. They the Red Sox. They didn't have a room for you. But they had a room for this guy, Pablo Bell. <laughs> That's not yeah, it. congrats on that. Yeah, do they, I can just go to Stop and Shop or Shaw's or wherever? Yeah. Frozen wherever, food. Wherever. Okay. Just go there and you'll find them. They're delicious. Bob usually has them on a skewer on the show. He eats them well. Oh, I ate them all. I haven't re- replenished them. <laughs> Alice, let me, let's go back to uh, let's go back to 1984 because it, it, for some reason that seems to be the year I remember that um, I, particularly the Celtics locker room was open to women, but the Celtics players were really furious about it, and they would stay in the shower, and the trainers and ball boys would bring all their clothes into the showers until yes. some type of compromise was reached, where I believe they were uh, being given bathrobes by Red. Going to the bathroom. Tell me about those days. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> Going into those locker rooms, being the only um, female with a cameraman behind me, it was a little different. You know, there were like Karen Garrigan and Jackie Mullen. They were around, but it was different when you're coming in with a big old, you know, person with a big old camera on their shoulder. And for the Celtics, um, I got in a scuffle with a radio guy. Should I mention his name? Sure. Tom Cuddy? No, he did BC <laughs> basketball play by play. Ted Sarandis. Yes. Okay. And that was when the first back in the day where our microphones had those long cords and they get tangles everywhere. So we're interviewing Mikhail and Sarandis is there. And I think my cord crossed his and he he said, have a clue, Alice. Please. Really? Seriously. And and Mikhail said, shut the F up. <laughs> let, let her do her job. And I was like, from that day forward, he was my favorite player. I mean, it was just like, oh, thank you. The worst thing was my um, Patriots. The thing. Patriots. Uh, I hear this, Michael. This is before Lisa Olsen, because this is like 19. I think it was when I first started, 84, 85. And it was a Friday, and Alan Miller, uh, the producer, sent me down there to talk to. They were playing the um, Colts, and he wanted me to get interviews with the players that played under Ron Meyer earlier in the 80s. So that was like Pete Brock and Steve Nelson. And I'm down there with Ray Camp on a Friday. There's no one else there. There's a couple of beat reporters, but no cameras. It's a, you know, not a big day down there for the media. And... Um, get in the locker room and we're just standing there. That's the worst thing when you're just standing there. And I think uh, Jim Greenwich, the PR guy, gave me a, you know, some kind of sheet pregame thing. So I'm staring at that. And I'm waiting for these, you know, players that, you know, Brock or Nelson, whoever, you know, could talk about Ron Meyer, come out. And um, I'm standing there and from the corner of the this side of the locker room, I started hearing really horrible things. 
um, disgusting. And was like, get out of my, I can't swear on this probably, but effing house. Get out of here, you B. B-I-T-C-H. Got it. Um, And screaming. And I look over. Okay, so players called you a bitch. And they said, then they started saying, women are only good for this and that. And they, they well, kept your, repeating it. It's your players who were saying it. Yeah. So it was Stefan Starring and Stephen Stanley Morgan. Starring. And Stanley Morgan. Stefan was started and Stanley was chiming in. And my heart started racing. It's like I was shaking. I felt like I was going to faint. And I looked down and that was right after the um, the strike. And Doug Flutie was in the locker room all the way down at the end. And I knew him from covering my BC. And he, he just looked at me and said, you know, he said he wasn't going to stand up for me because he was a what they called a scab at that point, and he wasn't real popular on the team. And so, um, I I did. Steve Nelson came out, and I put the microphone up, and my hand was like this, asking him the question, saying, "Hell, is what's wrong?" And uh, I think someone said he, you know, that Stephen and Stanley just went off on her, and, and it was really that was ugly. So we got out of there and Alan, we called Alan Miller and he said, this is outrageous. We're going to put this on TV. We're going to really take those guys to the woodshed. It's ridiculous, the whole thing. And I said, I don't feel comfortable with that. I, you know, thank God, because Lisa Olson opposite, it became a huge story and it really affected her career. And so I said, no, 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 not doing that. And um, that was a Friday. So Saturday, my phone rings. Lived in Lexington, a little apartment by myself. And hello, Alice? It's Raymond Barry. (laughs) (laughs) It's Raymond Barry. (laughs) He said, you know, he had the accent. I just wanted to tell you what happened to you yesterday was unbelievably wrong and it will never happen again and these players are going to be punished and they they've been talked to already and blah 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 i said okay well thanks for calling and five minutes later hello alice this is patrick sullivan (laughs) and i'm like this is where raymond barry just called me and he talked to me for these players are going to be fine these players are big they knew that if this became a big story, Trouble. it would not have been good well, for them. Some, some, anybody else other than yourself could have really blown this guy. Yeah. And then two years later, it was Lisa Olson and Zeke Moat, you know, that thing. And she, you know, they had live shots outside the Herald. And and um, it was hugely remember, in the news. Were you there the night, Mike? You, you were there when she walked through the end zone. Uh, yes. Yeah, we were all standing there at the end zone, the entrance to the Patriots locker room at the old stadium. And right, was it the old yep. stadium? Yeah. And and she walked through the end zone and the fans were Oh yeah. Brutal. Awful. And you know, during that time, some of the fans, because they may not know they mixed us up. I remember I was outside the Bruins locker room. And the fans, I don't know why the fans were down on that level. The game was over. We're waiting to get in. And some some guy thought I was Lisa Olsen. And he started saying, you don't belong there, Lisa Olsen. Female sports reporters shouldn't be doing that. You're wrong. You're a, you know, couple. He was like, I'm not Lisa. (laughs) And how did this all make you, how did this make you feel? What? What? Why did you put yourself at risk like this? Why? I why? Because it was my job, you know. It's like, and I, I really the Red Sox. I had some issues in there too, and I'll I'll name names: Dwight Evans, and Jim Rice, and Bruce Hurst were all over me every time I came in there, and just screaming things at me, and and you know, in general, you know. Um, saying bad things about women in general. And it, it was, I was more nervous going into that Red Sox clubhouse than I was like skating in a little bit. It was, Seriously. I felt sick and, um, and it was hard because 
as a as a female reporter, you you don't have any leeway because they're going to say, oh, she just doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't know about sports. So I felt like I I really couldn't ask the wrong question or a stupid question or anything like no, that. Yeah. It was really it was scary and it was hard and. So you had to really like tiptoe through the tulips in other yeah. words, in asking questions. Yeah. And oh yeah. Bringing up subjects. Yeah. Bruce Hurst at in Winter Haven came up to me in spring training. He said, I want to talk to you. I said, sure. And he said, I want you to know I'm Mormon and I have a huge problem with you being in the locker room. <laughs> and I'm there with Tom Ray Camp and it's like, well, it's my job. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I'm not the first one, but I, 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 it's what, my bosses tell me to do. So it's my job. I, I hope you can understand that. Yeah, and every time I walked in there, if he, he was across the way, he'd look at me and just, you know, put a towel on himself like, yeah, what are you doing here? And um, years later at a Bob Bell Christmas party, Dwight Evans, this is many years later, probably, he uh, pulled me aside and he said, I owe you a huge apology. And I said, oh, what do you mean? He said, I'm sorry. I, I was I was an ass back in those days. And what I said to you and what my teammates said to you was wow. wrong. And I, I'll never forget that. Yeah. It was like he's the only one that ever did. No, I think I, I'm not. I was surprised when you brought up his name the first time. But I've heard the story before, but I didn't. I forgot that he had apologized to you. And it doesn't surprise me of all the guys that would have taking the time to apologize to you and feel badly about how he had acted, he would be one of them. He would yeah. be the one. It really was important to me, and I, I really appreciated it. It was good. So, And then as time went on in the 90s, we had you know, Wendy Nix, and we had um, other reporters, Catherine Tappan. They're all coming in, and you know, it ended up being, as soon as we had numbers, it became better. And probably um, the players, I'm sure, organizations were saying, okay, we have women in the locker room, but don't give them a hard time. <laughs> um, so it became, it became a lot better. And um, I think now you see almost as many women covering sports uh, as guys. And yeah. in general, so, that's good. So uh, I, I think you've pretty much, uh, you've done this. Nick, rank them the worst dealing with uh, the advent of the female in the locker room. The, of the four four pro teams, the worst. Okay, I've done this. Go All ahead. right, number one, baseball. <laughs> no doubt about it. Right. And I don't. I had a theory. Well, a lot of these guys, you, know, they grew up in the South, and you know, and maybe think differently. They're a little more conservative. I don't know. They a lot of them did, didn't go to college. I don't know. So baseball ain't number one, and then football, and then. uh the best, the easiest locker room to ever go in was the Bruins. I guess that's what I want to say. They did not care. <laughs> they just, you know, they did they not what? care. I, I have they a Rayborg story, but go ahead. should I tell it? Yeah, well, that depends on, you know what you can tell and what you can't. Why not? All right. There's just three of us anyway. So, so what difference does it make? <laughs> Bruins are, are playing Montreal, you know, that big series. I can't remember what year. So they just had a huge win. And we file into the old garden, into the locker room, and we go, everyone like they do, stood around Ray Bork's locker, waiting for him to come out of the shower. And um, a lot of times I was in the front row because I'm short, and the cameras and the reporters behind me didn't care because they, they could shoot right over my head. So Karen and I are just like, all right, no, do, do, do. And um, uh, we're waiting, and then he's coming out from the shower area, and he's coming to see, he's got nothing on. <laughs> and he and there's this big, you know, row of reporters. He comes in, he stands right in front of Karen and me. Really? And we're like, okay. Leslie Visser had this line. As a sports reporter, female sports reporter, any sports reporter, you're trained to use all your observation skills. But if you're a woman in the locker room, you have to do that, but not look. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts okay so he's there and we're all just somebody you know first question comes in and then he looks over to the shower area he said hey eric he was the equipment guy 
throw me a towel, will you? <laughs> <laughs> and so this towel comes flying in, and he takes it, and he had shaving cream on his face, and he wipes his face, and he throws the towel behind him. It's like, okay, what's up, guys? <laughs> guys did not care why what was the culture canadian i don't know maybe it's never once and they you know you go in there so smelly with the sweaty pads and everything but they you saw a lot of um dairy errors <laughs> dairy errors. i heard you no i'm kidding <laughs> without a cover oh my god Alice, with, with all these uh, obstacles uh, between personalities and clubs, did you ever say to yourself, you know what, I want to do something else. I don't know if I want to do this uh, long term here. Did, did that thought ever go through your head at all? It it didn't. Um, you know, I had the beginning, which was really tough. And, and um, I did think about, like, do I really want to do this because it, it's affecting my psyche and it's making me feel like a victim so the 80s was bad and then the 90s more women came in so it felt better and then whenever team started winning in 2000 to 210 i never thought about going anywhere because we were covering world series and super bowls and it was it was fun you know, going on those trips and, you know, Red Sox winning for the first time in 82 years, whatever it was. How about the Patriots? Patriots. It's a Tom, Super Bowl. Tom Brady comes on and it's like, so what happened to me, it's like. I just want to say you and I spent the night together at the Super Bowl. But it was in, in the truck. In the truck. Bob went to sleep on the floor because <laughs> he had to get up and do the early show. In the in Norway. And I, when they I was the in ranch, the, the, I was. <laughs> I was in there editing the piece for him to leave when he goes on morning TV. So I felt right. very fortunate I had that. And I think when they, when the station was starting to let go people in 2008 to 210, whatever, you know, and I thought about it, they, they wanted me to um, just work six months a year and come back and cover Patriots, which probably wouldn't be bad, but I, I really had time to think about it. It was March, and I didn't have to tell them until July when training camp started. And um, I, I just thought, I think I'm done. And, you know, one of the things I really hated doing was that fifth quarter show. <laughs> it, it was just. What, no, what, what show was that? The fifth quarter after the oh, Patriots. Oh, fifth quarter, yeah. Stand there, and all the media's gathering around the podium, and you have to talk about the game. And I didn't have anyone to interview, and um, I was thinking, you know, I think I'm done. So, and it was it was the right decision. Twenty five years is. How about the Belichick interview after that Super Bowl? Well, you can tell that. Story. Well, no, you did. She brought up. <laughs> hold, hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought right there, oh, yeah, Bob. Hold that thought right there. I guess it's Alice Cook. Uh, former sportscaster at Channel 4. And uh, let me tell you right now, if you're thinking about a new vehicle, there's only one place to go, and there's only one place only. Go where we go. Go see our friend George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. We've been customers for years because we know George Gray will treat you right. He treats us right. He treats everybody right. They're family-owned and operated dealership that we trust, and we trust them for years. And I guarantee you, that you'll be able to trust them as well. Go see the great George Gray at Lexington Toyota, and you will be a friend and a customer for life. I guarantee it. All right, Robert, continue. Good job. They're the best. Uh, We were, it was a Super Bowl in 2001. That was the end of the season, 2002, really. It was right Mm -hmm. after Mm 9-11. They beat the Rams. New Orleans. Right, in in New Orleans. Brady had just brought them back, and they had won their first Super Bowl. And, you know, people going, and Alice was brought. I brought some players she over. She brought some players, but, like, but then yeah. she brought the, the, the gold mine over, which was Belichick. <laughs> he he wasn't as nasty to us as he was to the, the reporters today. But he did at, right. But he did. Yeah. He did want to make sure that Alice was doing the interview. He didn't want to talk to me. He had nothing to do with me. He wanted to talk to Alice. He asked me listen, on listen. the way over. He said, 
Oh. I asked him, can you come over to our, to our camera right there for Channel 4? And he said, who's who's doing the interview? Oh, shut up, Bill. And I said, <laughs> well, I am. And, you know, maybe I think I just said I am. Yeah, you just so he, made it up. So he came over up. and Bob's right there. And Bob jumps right in with his uh, first question. I apologized. And then I said, well, he said he wanted to talk to me. <laughs> and this Peter Brown was back at the station. He said the phone lines are blowing up. Is Alice Cook going to get fired for saying that? I can't believe she just did slow bell like that. She did. She got me good. And the next day we're flying home together and I'm getting calls from people all over Boston. It's like, I can't believe you said that when you brought that. I won't forget it. I didn't think it was, I thought it was harmless. It was, it was pretty harmless, but I, he had that smiling, he had a smiling Cheshire cat look on his face. Yeah. So I asked him like one question, maybe two. He wanted, and then he wanted to nothing go. to do with me, but I don't blame him. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I feel the same way, but I, I do think he's pretty rude with the media today. Oh, huh? oh. I'd like to deal with them. Seriously. You know, when the Patriots lose, I make sure I never miss fifth quarter. Yeah. Because you know you're going to get He's him. He's the best. Yes, he is. It's great television. And you can hear a pin drop, you know? Yeah. So some, someone asks, asks a question. You get the death stare. Yep. And then you're going, you're cringing. Oh, no, 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 no. And there's always, especially when you get to the playoffs, there's some news station, usually, usually Channel 7, will send down a news report. Byron Barnett. Yeah, Byron Barnett, yeah, or Dan Housley. And the, the news director said, they have those soft sports people. They ask the softball question. You get on there and ask the tough question. You'll get the answers that everyone's looking for. And I'm saying, no, you won't. No, you won't. And when they, they ask the question, I sit there and I go, oh, no. Oh, no. I know. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Boom. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Do you tell your kids, uh, your kids appreciate what you did and what you went through and what yeah. do they? Yeah. I mean, um, especially my son who was into all these sports, you know, and, and he was able to come with me one day to the Bruins locker room after a game, he has pictures of Ray Bork and he went to the Super Bowl and, um, the one they lost in, uh, Scottsdale. Um, he had just turned well, we 16. Were, we were there. Yeah. So they, um, one of them in preschool, they the teacher said, okay, we're going to ask everyone what their parents do if, for work. And um, the teacher told me later, it was this, my, my son Brendan was a little bit of a yogi bear. He got um, words mixed up. So he's like, my mom works in the television. That's <laughs> 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 so cute. That is cute. But um, I did... I do have some tapes that are on VHS I, I want to share with Bob um, soon because what we did at those Super Bowls, you guys, all the stations with the specials and the interviews and the, you know, it was just, it was really incredible. It was yeah. really good television with the Jim Murphy features and, um, we, Jim Murphy was an editor. We, yeah, yeah. Passed away. He was like 44 years yes, old. Yes. I remember. I remember. Yeah. But we, um, that was just amazing. And so much work went into it, so many hours. And all three, I liked how the three stations were competitive, yeah. mostly in good ways. And it made all of us better. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You'd go to a Super Bowl and, you know, you do, you, the press conferences would start usually at 7.30 in the morning. And you'd be going nonstop when the 11 o'clock news finished, you'd be, work until two in the morning because you had like some half hour, hour special the next night. And, and you just did. And you said, let's try to get something that, that four and seven, you know, isn't getting. And you guys was, had the same school of thought as you were going, get something that CBB isn't going to get. And it's something that Dean was not going to get. And um, it was great. I think the winner was the viewer in, right. uh, I in, was uh, in Boston. That. Yeah. Yep. And if, if the timing was right, you could, you could maybe catch all three sportscasts. Yeah. Um, you hear that all the time from people. That's why I brought up at the beginning about the death now for local sports anchors. Yeah. It's not there anymore. You know, I have, by the way, I, no, no, I'm not going to, I Go have, ahead, no, say whatever I, wa I watch 
Channel 5 now because their sport, their TV anchors, um, they actually send them places and they go to big stories. No one does that anymore. You know, it's like Ed Harding goes to D.C. for one thing or another or someone else went to where they had the tornadoes in the Midwest and and um, and they actually still do like a real sports cast where you see packages. Yeah. You know? And not as good as when you were there. <laughs> and I missed that um, high five. I don't know. I thought that was genius. That was they really, really cornered the market. They, they yeah. really was. It was a spectacular idea. And talk about ways of getting viewers from different towns. They just, you know, love that. And you'd never see that now. You know, it's just. So I remember different. one story you did Thanksgiving. We're talking about Thanksgiving, and that was, of course, a big deal. For everybody, but especially for you guys. But you know, we had to compete in our own way. I remember you one Thanksgiving, you went to this kid's house for breakfast, right? <laughs> I did. Kind of played and spent the day with him as he went for breakfast. With his parents, I remember yeah, this thing. Yeah. Yep. So these things had an impact, you know. It was just so much more creative. And, yeah. Um, Didn't you do the Angel Bites Man? No, Trina no, Rollins did. bites Danny Ainge story. I don't think for, I did that. For the, I remember for the great eighties. No, I did. Well, I talked to Bird about the um, Dantley uh, the shoe off between the two of them, but I don't think I mentioned the that okay other one. But yeah, just think of like that special, the great eighties. You never see anyone do that now. You know, it's like it's oh, it's a little sad. But uh, it's all changed. And again, you know, you look at this new generation. I have three millennial kids and they don't watch the news. No, no. Couldn't, couldn't they, name it. You could name every news Z, every reporter and every sports person on all three stations. And there'd, there'd never yeah. be if you'd say, you know, who's uh, Jill Smith and like say, oh, yeah, she came. Uh, she's been there for about six months and blah, 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 blah. Now you can't name you can't name three of them. I think what one of the things that really hurt everybody, made everybody complacent, was uh, COVID. When everything was spoon fed, the the teams ran their own interviews with players and just put them up in the on the bird or put them on on a link that you get. And then when locker rooms became available, people said, "Well, why why should I go to the locker room when I can get spoon fed this stuff anyway?" And you know, you, you don't see a guy sitting down in the stool anymore and talking to somebody or. You know, uh, outside practice, that just doesn't happen, and then, you know, it makes it a little bit antiseptic. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't know whose fault it is, but it's, it's, it makes, makes them all look the same. Yeah, that's uh, we true. had some, we had some crazy people who worked for us, Jerry Azar. Uh, <laughs> remember him? I don't. Was he before me? Yeah, he's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was before uh, knew me, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. No, you know who he's for? Uh, Luke Tilly. Luke Tilly replaced him. Yeah, Jerry Azar. Right. Azar. He brought a snake into the newsroom. Who was <laughs> <laughs> the guy that broke the egg over his head? That was Zipper Zeppa. He was Zipper Zeppa on Channel 7. Channel 7 always had the person that was going to, you know, they, they had Jim Kelly, they had Zipper Zeppa, they had Tim Mazzetti, the field goal kicker for uh, the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and every one of them was going to come in and just revolutionize how how sports was covered. They're going to blow Channel Four and Channel Five away. Louie and, and I were listening to the. I told you this, Lynchy. Louie and I were listening to the radio. Where, I know we were over in Cambridge, going to play tennis or something inside, and we were listening to Dino. He was on the radio. It might have been EEI at the time when they mm-hmm. dominated. And uh, Dino said, "Well, with Tim Mazzetti now joining us, we're going to." Completely own the market, dominate the sports market. And here's Numi and I sitting in the car looking at each other. <laughs> he said the wrong thing at the rock. It was really competitive. Do you remember, we used to have interns watch the other two states. You probably did it too. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Write it down. Take notes on what yep. they're doing and what there was in their you know sports. What did they do? Section. You yeah. know, high five was actually an accident. Um, they wanted high five to be uh, like uh, the the play of the the play of the week, or the or the like. If Bruce Hurst won two games, they wanted to get give him like 
you know, that they call it something else. And then, you know, I said, you know, these people don't care. They won't even know that they're, they're getting uh, like uh, the, the high five award. I said, why don't I said high five? Most days people high five each other. So I said, why don't we call it high five? But why don't every, every and we all went through this. Every time you go to a Rotary Club or a Lions Club and you speak and they and you have two questions and answers. One of the first questions is, why don't you do more on local sports? We got a great player down here in Cohasset. Oh, we got to get this great soccer player in Framingham. Oh, we got this great baseball player, you know, in Lexington. And that was a constant theme that I would hear every time I went out to, to speak at one of these things. So I said to, to Phil Balboni, I and mean, he was always trying me to, to, to listen, why don't you do something to make yourself distinctive from the competition? And I said, why don't we name this High Five? It's a play on words. It's Channel 5, 5, blah, 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 blah. And let's do, um, um, let, let's give it to a high school athlete of the week every week. And he said, okay, so the first one was scheduled for September of 1985. And it was scheduled for a Friday night. But wouldn't you know it, Hurricane Gloria came by that day. Mm-hmm. Hurricane, when a hurricane happens, you know, sports monsters just go home and turn the lights off. But I'm sitting there and they said, they, they yelled up the stairs and said, Mike, you're on. I said, I, I didn't think we we're doing sports. Yeah, we're doing sports. Go ahead and do that, do that high five thing. So I did it on a kid named Joe B-E-T-R-O, a running back from uh, Walpole. And we got the black and white film from the game, and he scored four touchdowns. His dad was the police chief in Walpole. And we ran it. And as soon as we finished, I went up back upstairs to the sports office, and the phone's jumping off the hook. And I thought it would be people complimenting me and saying, yeah, well, you think that guy's good. Well, you see this kid uh, here at Acton Boxwell, but he's can really run. You know, then, then the phone rang. Yeah, well, you see this girl we have here in, in Falmouth. What a soccer player she is. You know, what are you wasting your time with that running back from Walpole? I said, we may have something here. So let's do it next week. So we did it next week. And then, you know, the old-fashioned way, things came in, um, in the mail. People would nominate. Um, someone to be a figure skater. I'm on Alice Cook, and there'd be a, you know, a nice article that would tell how she, you know, her grades, and she's been skating since she was four years old, and she works uh, at a at a nursing home part time. And and you say this seems like a good one right here. Let's go with this one. And that that's that's basically how it happened. And it went all the way until until um, even after I left when I was part time, I was doing it till about the year 2020, and then then they stopped doing it. So. Um, but it was fun. It, it, it was something different. You had Sports Spotlight, which was something that nobody else had. And you had great highlights. And they uh, that, that, and you had access to that sa- at SNS, that satellite news service. Yeah. That, it, was, it was great. We didn't have it. And I wished I had it. And you probably wished you had some of the high five things. And, and again, the, the winner through all this is the viewer. Because, you know, if you're looking at Sports Spotlight or if you're looking at high five, blah, 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 you're, you're getting a good variety um, of everything. Any one athlete stand out in your mind? As uh, you think that, about it, I mean, that's not, not that I covered. Yeah, that of course, know. it's Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell my Tom Brady story. I was assigned my, after Bledsoe got hurt. Um, Alan Miller, go down to Foxborough, hunt down this Tom Brady kid, and, you know, <laughs> and uh, he didn't even have a locker yet, and um, you know, we had the typical, you know, big crowd of media it's like where is he where is he and he, he came out kind of a of a back door and i was right there and i said oh tom brady there you are <laughs> I said, my dad went to you about <laughs> he's like hey cool and uh i was just trying to you know well, make course, sure yeah, he right. was comfortable and everyone did their interview you remember this and um Came back, and I didn't know that much about Tom Brady. I knew he was a six-round draft pick. That was about it. And he went to Michigan. And I had the tape, and I dropped it on Alan's desk. I said, I don't know how well this kid can play, but he's really hot. (laughs) (laughs) And he was, (laughs) and still is. But um, Your favorite was the Philadelphia Phillies catcher. Oh, yeah. Uh, Uh, Huckham. Hunkamonga, you called him. Hunkamonga. When you see it? him on TV, he was, uh, come on, it wasn't Darren Dalton. Darren Dalton. Oh, yeah. It was the Phillies yeah. catcher. And he, every time they'd highlight it, come on TV, and there, there, there he is, Hunkamonga. Yeah. But look what Brady did for all these women that started watching football. And uh, yeah. 
Robert Kraft had, because I, I, I kind of wanted, when I left the station, I wanted to do something that had to do with doing stories with a female <laughs> sports fan that are more personal, you know, not X's and O's, but who are they, who inspired them, all that stuff. And Robert Kraft liked the idea. Uh, he never invested in it, though. And he said, well, right now, and this is like 2008, 34% of the NFL audience are women. You know what that is now? What, six over 60? No, like almost 50%. That's pretty good. good. 48%. Yep. It's pretty remarkable. And you see... I wish I would have got funding. If anyone's out there, <laughs> but but it's just like you see jewelry commercials now. You see these commercials during when you're watching a game of women all cheering no, no. for their their team and wearing the gear and and all, um, all the uh, DraftKings and FanDuel spots prominently feature women. Yeah, they're very important to the dollar. And, yeah. In sports now, oh, it's, like, it's like you made it, girl. Congratulations! <laughs> Took long enough. I, I had one of the great lines, some great dumb lines, when Tom Tom Brady was going to start his first game. He came in in relief, you know, on the Jets game, and he was starting the next week. I think they were playing the Colts. It was September twenty sixth, I think, in uh, two thousand one. So we had the Patriots show at the time, and. Um, I said, uh, I was interviewing Tom Brady, and he was sitting there. And when we get done, I said, well, this poor kid, I don't know how long he's going to last. I said, well, listen, uh, good luck uh, Sunday. I hope, I hope it works out for you. You know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> what a dope. <laughs> I hope, good luck. I hope it works out for you. <laughs> after, um, after the win in Jacksonville, who did they play? The Eagles. Uh, or they, they played the Eagles. Yeah. So, we were getting in this pattern when we were covering Super Bowls that Steve Burton would go to the after party and do, some, you know, get some sound. I don't know. So the first three Super Bowls, he, he got the after party and I got the going to the van editing the, the <laughs> package for the next day. That's the worst thing in the and world. so by the time, I think it was the third Super Bowl, I, I knew, I said, I'm going to get this piece done in under an hour. I'm, you know, I had it practically written in this, and then I'm going, I'm getting my, you know what, into that party. <laughs> I had a little dress, you know, in my bag, so I could change my clothes. And um, Who knew? so I went up and, you know, I saw Wendy Nix was in there and some other, you know, um, media. And the guy let me in because he, I think he did security in Foxborough. You recognize, I said, yeah, it's, I haven't been able to go to one of these yet. Can you just see again? So we go in, and there's Myra and Robert Kraft are dancing on the stage with um, Lionel Richie is playing all night long. So like, whoa! And then, you know, the players are all milling, milling around, and um, I think, yeah, they were dancing. So I'm looking, just looking around for Brady, and back in the corner, he's, like, hiding. He's back there with Bridget. Monahan. They're just talking and just a few people around. Then he starts walking, you know, out toward, you know, a busier area. And I just went up to him and I said, I just, um, I just want to congratulate you on all these Super Bowls, but you know, it's really been a joy to cover this team. And he said to me, thanks for all your help this year, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, oh, you're welcome. And then I got a picture. Some cool. picture. But that, who would who would say something like that except Tom Brady? It was really yeah. nice, you know? And for me, it was like, he realizes that reporters, they have their job too, and it's, it's not easy all the time. And um, we're important to the, the players because we're yeah. telling their stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he's one of the best. I mean, he, he, he turns the conversation around to you. Like, like that, the perfect example you just said right there. Thanks for, you know, for all you did for us this year, Alice. You know, and you're probably saying, I don't recall uh, blocking anybody, attacking <laughs> no. anybody. I didn't even know what to say. Like, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll, walk, I'll, I'll walk in the locker room. Usually uh, I look like I just come off the golf course. Like I got golf shirt, shorts on. He said, 
They say, what kind of irons are you using, Mike? I said, well, I, I, I don't know, a Callaway, <laughs> something like that. I'm thinking of like, and now you, he's messed up my train of thought. I'm the th three questions I want to ask him. Yeah, he said, uh, how far do you hit your, uh, your, your, your eight iron, you know? And I said, I don't know, 150 yards, something like that. But he's always turning the conversation around. And he still is like that, you know? He's still to this day. We'll go over and, and, the, and, the, and take his tray in the team dining room or cafeteria. And if, if there's a player that just got traded to the team or uh, just made the team as a draft choice, he'll sit down and have lunch with them or breakfast with them or whatever and make them feel included. And that's, I think that comes from his parenting. You know, his mom and dad are uh, a big influence on his life. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's where it comes yeah. from right there. Mm -hmm. when I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you one final question, Alice, right after we get this Cold Springs RV right here. Camping season's right around the corner. If you're thinking about a new motorhome or a pop-up camper, go visit our friends at Cold Springs RV in where? Where? New Hampshire, of course. At, at Cold Springs RV, you'll find a huge selection of the latest and new and pre-owned campers for you to choose from. If you want to check out the great deals today, simply go to coldspringsrv.com. That's coldspringsrv.com. So, Alice, we've got um, uh, John Madden had the Madden Cruiser. We're gonna, they're, they're still, still in the construction. We're going to have a Lobie Cruiser that we're going to uh, ride around in. So you can ride cross-country in a Cold Springs RV a vehicle. Who do you want to ride cross-country with? Mm. Mm. Coach, coach or player that you covered? Well, maybe sportscaster for crying out loud. Yeah, you know, I thought she might have had enough of you, but you know, maybe we could. Who who would be fun? I guess I'm thinking right away. Maybe Kevin McHale, because he's he's just tapped and he's funny and he's he was good. Yes, he'd be fun to. Well, he was good. He was really just good. joking around and yeah. First in mind, then Bob. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> she comes from that Midwest, Mikhail, Minnesota. Yes. Michigan. We're both Midwest. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, that's a good one. Uh, Bob's, Bob's being from Ohio. Lynch's from Massachusetts. You know that. Yes, I did know that. So, and he played football for Harvard. And baseball. Harvard and baseball. Don't forget baseball. Yes. Don't right. forget baseball. So here's a question for you. Who's the better athlete, uh, sports reporter in Boston? Is it the Olympian or is it the guy that played football and baseball for Harvard? <laughs> <laughs> so I think Dan Shaughnessy once said the the best uh, athlete in Boston. Uh, yeah. Well, who was you? Who would you say was the best? I I think John Benoit was probably the one of the best. No, I mean ever. people that worked at. Oh, local TV station. Oh, in that case, I don't know. Lynch, you see, he's got that's that's pretty big up there, you know. Harvard. Yeah, I know. And believe me, when you're here once baseball. a week with him for the last four years, here once a week, it's like <laughs> athlete that was on TV. Oh, there's Burton. He played. Well, you know, for yeah. Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah. yeah there is an endless streak of Burtons. Yeah. Yeah, family. The birds are all over the They place. have the genes, man. Whoa. No, no kidding. He's got what? A daughter in the WNBA and the son, Austin, who's been in college for like eight years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> in eight different colleges. <laughs> um, another daughter that's really good at basketball, Ron, youngest. And then, yeah, he played football in Northwestern. His wife was uh, on the swim team there. Kidding, yeah. I know. What can you tell? Those good genes. Yeah. But yeah. he did a great job, Alice. Thanks. That was fun. That's good, you. huh? Yeah. Anytime now. It took us this long enough fun. to get you here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm All not right, that right. far away. Yeah, well, you got to go, go deal with the uh, cable company, huh? Yes, I do. Well, yeah. Yeah. tell us the problem right now because we may be able to help you. Who knows? What who's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, call us up. We're, we're both very good. I, I'll. All my TVs are frozen on screen shots. Who, who's your company? Xfinity. All right. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call with some advice. And it was, really, it was bad timing because I was all psyched yesterday morning to watch a marathon. And I turned my first TV on. It's like, <laughs> I couldn't get a channel. So anybody who didn't get along with Alice? Mm. Come on. 
Is there anybody? Not that I can think of. <laughs> maybe one person. <laughs> hmm. I shouldn't name names. You, know, so you shouldn't? Yeah. Why? I already did. Uh, you already that, named a lot of names. Yeah. That didn't get along. Oh, well. No, I, I got along with everyone. Yeah, okay. Let's not go with that can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Alice Cook of Channel 4 has been our guest. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, trip down memory lane and um, Obel tried to get pressure there and she gave him a right hook. That's why he has the black eye. Yeah, and, you know uh, what? Here's three people that got fired from this business. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> they, well, those people that fired us didn't know what they were doing, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, whatever. All right. Well, Alice Cook has been our guest. It's been uh, spectacular, Alice. Don't be a stranger. Come back again. And um, let us know how things work out with Xfinity. All right? Okay. Uh, all right. Bye, everybody. Thanks a lot. Say hi to your wife. She's the right, best. I will. Bye-bye. Unanchored Boston is a presentation of Unanchored Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unanchoredboston.com. Thank you.